Hey. Sorry. Good afternoon. Hi, Evie. Hi, Pete. How are you? I'm all right. I'm quite excited. This is our first podcast. I know. I'm very excited. We are recording on a beautiful, sunny Sunday afternoon. The sun is finally shining, which is. is amazing. It is shiny. Which makes um, shiny sun. lockdown feel just a little bit nicer. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, what book are we going to read? So, today we are going to be reading Invisible Women, Exposing Data Bias in a World Designed for Men by Caroline Criado Perez. Amazing. Amazing book. Yeah. So, I chose this book. I was actually given it by my mum for Christmas. I'd been eyeing it up uh, and it had been on my list to kind of look at and read for a while. But as I'm so rubbish with books, never got round to it. Um, And then my mum got it for me for Christmas, started reading it and then instantly wanted to tell everyone that I spoke to about this book and tell them to read it, which is why this is our first book that we are recording. And this took you how long to read? Uh, two months. <laughs> <laughs> no, didn't you? Did I remember you telling me because I I listened to this book on an audio book while I was running. It took me a week. It's nine hours. That is nine hours of running, and I had to keep actually much longer because I kept stopping because it's so good. There were so many amazing bits in it that I had to keep stopping to write notes so that we could talk about it on this podcast. But um, it is an incredible, incredible, incredible book. Yeah. It is amazing. And it's kind of shocking, but also makes total sense. I think that's the best way to explain it. You kind of, as a woman, there are so many things in this book that I know irritate me in daily life or I have thought about, but I just presumed that they were were not real. Like they were just irritating things. They weren't necessarily, like, for instance, driving a car, my legs are so short that I sit basically on top of the steering wheel. And it has popped into my mind so many times that if I crashed, I feel like the airbag would just crush my face because I'm so far forward. But I just assumed that the car would have been tested on someone having to sit that far forward because the seat goes that far. So you would assume that they would test it. But then just reading this book, you find out that actually... They don't because the position that I'm sitting in in the car is abnormal. And the facts are terrifying. What what are the facts? So women are 47% more likely to be seriously injured and 17 in a car crash and 17% more likely to die. Which makes me think I don't want my niece to start to start learning how to drive. I yeah. She's currently learning. I don't want her to drive. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind That's of terrifying. Ridiculous. And they have... Um, introduced testing on female dummies, which are basically just scaled down male dummies. But the regulation around it in the EU only means that you have to test it in the passenger side. And as we know, women are allowed to drive now. Um, so we are driving in cars, but we are we are not necessarily safe because they're not testing. They're also not testing on pregnant women. No, the they're not, um, which is, I think, one of the major causes of fetal premature deaths is women in car accidents, which is slightly terrifying. Absolutely awful. Seatbelts also don't account for um, women having breasts, which is shocking. So we're wearing our seatbelts in the abnormal way, which I think is the major thing within the book. The, The current theme throughout it is that women are seen as abnormal 
in medical testing, in, in, in car design, in data analysis, just or data collection and everything. The, the, we're seen as abnormal and we're seen as um, unpredictable. Yeah. So that's the thing that yeah. that's the thing that really started you off on this, isn't it? That's what that's what really I remember you saying this is terrible. Tell me about that. What? Yeah. So it just shocked me massively. I mean, maybe it's just me being oblivious to these things within the world that most medical research is carried out on men. And I think one of the reasons that she talks about that they give for that is that the female body is so unpredictable. We have a menstrual cycle and all of these kinds of things. So, for instance, there's no research around the female immune system which is mental and could be incredibly helpful, especially in something like what we're living through now in a pandemic Mm. where you've got COVID that is affecting actually men more than women, but there's no data and there's no research around the female immune system. So they don't really understand why those differences are. But the incredible thing is that from all the research that, that is available, it shows that the differences in sex lie in tissue in organs in everything in every part of our body there are sex differences between us so it just baffles me that they are not doing medical research on women but they're not just not doing research on women the research they're doing they're doing research on men but also research on male animals they won't use female animals and And male cells yeah Yeah, that's insane which is mad it is it's absolutely ridiculous and the reason why again because we're because we're unpredictable because women are so unpredictable yeah and I think ultimately it comes down to the fact that the, the men and the male body are seen as the norm. So they just assume that whatever works for a man will work for a woman. But it won't because there are doses, like different doses affect women and men differently. Obviously, the actual medication will affect us all differently. Yeah, yeah. But like she even goes into one example of where they had the female Viagra and they... Well, I assume they tested it on women, but when they, they tested were, it on men, they never tested well, it on they, women. They realised that it had, uh, if you consumed it with alcohol, it had weird side effects. So then, quite rightly, they organised some more testing on it. But of twenty-four people that were involved in it, only two of them were women. And you kind of think, <laughs> how? It, so this is female it's not Viagra. Even common sense. Like, what the hell are you doing? Female Viagra. Female tested, Viagra tested on mainly men. Yeah. And I think the original um, actual male Viagra was... Oh, that um, was an accident. Yeah, it was by accident, it was a happy accident. But they were actually testing it on period symptoms. That's right. Yeah, and the pain and, and all of that kind of stuff that affects it. The really shocking thing was the heart attack. <gasps> oh, my God. Tell me about it's that. absolutely mental. Like, I didn't even know this. Like, so everyone, like, if you Google um, heart attack... Most of the images that come up are, are of a man. The Hollywood heart attack. The Hollywood heart attack. And they're like clutching their chest. It's like the pain's down the left-hand side. But actually, one only one in eight women get those symptoms. Normally, when a woman has a heart attack, it causes uh, fatigue, nausea, and shortness of breath. Yeah. So, so many women are going into hospitals. It actually makes my skin crawl that this is happening, but it's not noted anywhere in um medical books that are being taught to doctors Mm -hmm. like they they are going into hospital people are not recognizing the symptoms they're getting sent home and then they die so hospital and gps aren't aren't recognizing the symptoms and this is something that we all need because it's not taught yeah yeah but it's the second in the in the usa it's the number one killer of of women and in the uk i think after breast cancer certainly after cancer it's the second biggest killer so it's it's something that that yeah. everyone needs to know. And I didn't know this. You didn't know this. No. It's absurd. It is absolutely absurd. And it 
it's just quite scary. I think the amount of information that is in this book is incredible. Mm. Like the index alone, I think, is like 69 pages. Yeah. Of, of all of the research that she's pulled together. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. But it just goes to show there's all this research that's gone into it, but the fact that it's had to happen is quite disappointing. Like, yes, we have come a really long way. We have far more rights and equality now, but it kind of makes you feel like there's still so far to go. Mm-hmm. And if we don't start talking about it now, it will get worse and worse. Yeah. What was the other massive takeaway from this book for you? For me personally, I think it was the medical research that just like shocked me to my core. Um, why isn't that front page scandal though? I don't. I mean, know. I don't. I don't. Honestly, I don't understand. No. Why is it? No one talks about this. It is crazy. And actually, one of the podcasts that I listened to after reading the book, "History Becomes Her," which is a brilliant episode um, where they interview Caroline Criado Perez uh, along with Tracy, Tracy King, King yeah. and it's uh, the interviewer is Rachel Thompson. But what uh, Tracy King talks about is the fact that after she read this book, she started a GoFundMe page right. to pay for every member of Parliament to buy a copy of this book for them to read. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Because it is so important and because it is so shocking, I think there are so many things in it that you're just baffled by the fact that this is happening. And I think it is important that people, especially men, do start reading this book because it's really important for me to understand it as a woman, but even more so for people like MPs who are making decisions that affect women every single day mostly male MPs mostly male MPs yeah Yeah, white middle class male MPs (laughs) making decisions for women yeah Yeah. exactly so I was listening to a I was listening to a a podcast this morning just before we recorded this just so I'm sort of swatting up on some more facts and um, there was a I can't remember which MP it was, but it was an MP in um, in New Zealand Houses of Parliament who quoted directly from the book. So Caroline Credo Perez actually does make a difference. I mean, the research in her book is being shared around the world. Oh, amazing! Yeah, I mean, yeah. and it's it's being this book. You can get this book all over the place, obviously, but um, the American edition is really interesting. The really, podcast I was listening to earlier. She's being interviewed by this American. She's swearing like a trooper. I love her. She's great, but. Um, <laughs> She's just, she's so, and she's so passionate. Yeah. You have to listen to her. I mean, reading the book, it just made it so much, her reading the book to me. Her brain is amazing. Yeah, the amount of information that she holds, yeah. like, I'm in awe of it because I can't, try, I can't remember anything. You try running, <laughs> you try running while listening to her. It's almost impossible. She's, yeah, she's quietly furious about, about everything, which is brilliant. And that's yeah. exactly what we need. You know. As you would be. Yeah. No, it's just Definitely. amazing. I just, so compelling. Uh, Oh, one of the things I forgot to talk about with the medical stuff. Mm. So there's a really interesting interview with her, podcast interview, the New Scientist one, which was recorded last year. And it obviously references the book and um, going back into the medical side of it, it, she specifically talks about COVID and the fact that um, to start off with when COVID hit, they weren't desegregating the data by sex. They weren't recording how it was impacting men and women. And actually there was a, she mentions an, a, um, a question time. I think there were two episodes of it over two, over two nights with Matt Hancock. And he quoted the fact that like four doctors had died. And then someone pulled him up on the fact that they weren't even recording how many nurses were dying. I know that's absurd, yeah. Which is mental. Like I just don't understand why you why you wouldn't record that. Mm -hmm. And it just goes back to 
the fact that it's baffling why they are not collecting data. They're collecting all of this data, but they're not recording how it's impacting men and women. Mm. So you can't then go back and have a look at it and discover the differences between the sexes because there are, obviously, we're, we're completely different. So I just don't understand why you wouldn't want to. And it's particularly prevalent with COVID because it is impacting men and women so differently. And actually men are more likely to die from it. And because there's no data on the female immune system, they don't know why it's not affecting women as much as it is affecting men. Because they weren't testing. Yeah. But what is shocking is that um, at the time of recording that podcast, she said that 60% of the people dying from COVID cases or or contracting COVID uh, were 60% men. But actually within the NHS, people contracting it was 65% women which really shows the amount of women that are that are within the NHS, which I think is about 77% of all NHS staff are women. Wow. And that then comes on to the what she talks about in the book is PPE. And the fact that PPE is created based on the male body. That's right. So when you get a small, it's a small man. But what if you're a small woman? That's, yeah. that's extra, extra small. Yeah. And they're actually... So it's not fitting, so it's not it's safe. It's not fitting, yeah. So all of those nurses that are on the front line, yes, obviously there are, there are male nurses, but predominantly they, they are female nurses. And as we know, nurses are the ones that are actually going in and doing a lot of the contact work rather than doctors. And they are on the front line and they're, they're, they're getting in it. Um, and their PPE doesn't fit. So their masks, their Gowns. gloves, Gowns, and the, yeah. yeah, and it and it needs to, and it's it's not safe for the patients, and it's not safe for the staff, and it's just mental. Again, it's just ridiculous. Which also reminds me of those she talks about in the book. She talks about bulletproof vests. Oh and my how, god! Yeah, explain that. Go on, tell us about that because that's so. <laughs> bulletproof vests are built as standard to fit men and women. But obviously women have breasts. And they're not taking into account. And they're not taking into account. So the on man a, on who designed list. Well, yeah. it had to be a man, it wouldn't be a woman. The man who designed the who designed them yeah. didn't think that people might actually have yeah. breast so you, tissue. You put it on, and for a woman that might have kind of fairly large breasts, which obviously does happen, the stab vests are then lifting up. Oh, to I actually expose said that it, was any, it was any size breast. I mean it's just Was it? it? Yeah, even small ones. Yeah, it, it, even yeah, even small <laughs> ones. Yeah, but I mean any if it's not flat, if yeah. you're, it's going to rise up at the bottom where, where you're going to be most susceptible to a bullet. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And there are actually, um, there are stab vests that are specifically made for women. So it's not like they don't exist, but actually there are a couple of cases. I think one of them was in New York where a police officer, she bought her own stab vest. was a Spanish woman. Oh, Spanish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she then ended up leaving. No, she was fired. She was fired. She wouldn't, yeah, well, she, she, out of her own money, she was paying for her own... PPE. Her own PPE to protect her from being shot or yeah. stabbed. And then, yeah, she she was, she whether she, I think she was fired. I think she was fired. I mean, it was horrific. She, that shouldn't be happening anywhere, should it? No. And um, when they did a survey of all the firefighters, doctors, police, only 5% of them, female, obviously female ones, only 5% of them said that their PPE fit them, which is crazy. You've got people working on the front line that are being hindered because of their personal protective equipment which is crazy because it's there to protect people mm. which seems very just ridiculous it is yeah so the other thing i remember reading mm-hmm. you might remember this better than me is that um i had no idea about this women's skin is thinner than men's 
Yeah, I didn't either. I did not know that. But I mean... Makes you feel so stupid, but you didn't know either. No, I didn't. Which means that, I mean, it's not funny. It means that chemicals, right? Toxicity of chemicals is tested on men. It's not tested on women. So, which, which means that... If you're a woman working in a nail bar or if you're a female cleaner or, or anyone that's any female that's in contact with chemicals, yeah. you're more likely to be injured by the chemical than you are a man in the same job. Yeah. And those chemicals have been linked to things like breast cancer. So your risk of, of getting breast cancer is higher through your contact with those chemicals. And had they tested those chemicals on women at the start, then they would probably have to make them more diluted. Yeah. And, and less dangerous. And less dangerous yeah. and, and safer for the women that are actually using them. This book's full of this kind of stuff. Sort of stuff that just I just can't understand how I've got to my age and not know... <laughs> and not know this it's just insane no but i think that that's the i think that's ultimately the problem isn't it in in society is that the the male body is default and as, as, and as normal as normal yeah. and the female body or women in general are seen as abnormal yeah. so everything is created as standard for men and then we're like an offshot or a second thought so with that in mind hold your iphone up okay (laughs) can you use your iphone with one hand no no i can't and actually i tell i now every time i use my phone i'm so much more aware of the fact that i can't use it one so she talks about this in the book so the iphone is designed for a man's the average man's man's hand hand. yeah designed by a man and my hands are particularly small as well which really does not help it's obviously not designed by a woman it's designed by a man for a man (laughs) yeah not for a woman but actually, I was just Googling it just to double check our facts before we started talking about it. And iPhone have just brought out, apparently it's big news on the Apple website, 11% thinner, 15% smaller and 16% lighter. So there's which a mini. Yeah, the which is great. Mini. Maybe they maybe they read this book. The book. So iPhone 12 mini. Apple are listening. Yeah. It's great. But, but being lighter is really important because apparently the weight of the phone is damaging, it's causing skeletal injuries. Yeah, I actually find when I, if I'm on my phone too much, the side of my hand on my little finger side really hurts and uh, up my thumb as well. So I can't use my phone for too long, especially if I'm trying to watch something or hold it or scroll as you do on Instagram or TikTok, (laughs) (laughs) which is ridiculous. So in some ways it's preventing me from using my phone for too long, but it it is annoying because even when I try and take a photo, I can't hold it one handed. I have to utilize two hands. And for someone that might not have the use of both hands, that, that that it's unusable. Like, that's ridiculous or if you've got one hand that you're holding a child or you're carrying shopping or you're doing anything you yeah. can't then use use your phone yeah because you can't oh, use it one-handed it's crazy and which the other, is crazy the other thing she talks about is the piano do you remember what the, yeah yeah just yeah tell me about that because so, i find that fascinating yeah so pianos again the keys are are created designed for the male hand which is obviously the the span of it is much bigger um, so most pianos are um, women can't use them as as easily, and it, so their hands the spread. Yeah. yeah. So, so in the book, she talks about what a travesty it is that most female pianists can't reach their full potential because yeah. the pianos, the keys are too big. Yeah. But but there was a man who had a <laughs> had a piano designed specially for yeah, because he had, he had a smaller, smaller hands. hands. Yeah. yeah. So he he designed a piano specifically for smaller hands. But it's not the norm. Yeah. So when you're going in and you're using an in-house piano, it's not going to be the smaller keys piano. It's going to be the bigger key piano. So 
but ju- just music in general, like it's already harder for women. Yeah. So when you look back through history or um, and look at all of the composers and um, musicians and pianists and things like that, obviously women had less rights. So they weren't able to as freely create music. So not only have they got that barrier, they've got a piano that doesn't fit with their fingers. And actually in the book, she talks about the fact that when they introduced blind auditioning yes. in, um, in the New York, in New York Symphony, Symphony, I think yeah. it was, yeah, yeah. The, the amount of women increased massively. I mean, I can't remember the statistics that she goes into, but it just goes to show how much prejudice there is in terms of choosing musicians within an orchestra. Yeah. It's crazy. So all of these different barriers mean that women are having to constantly fight the stereotype because they are not classed as the norm. And one thing that's really interesting, Angela Duckworth, who wrote Grit, which is a brilliant book, yeah. if you get a chance, she talks about how just having to fight a stereotype actually impacts... It's ex- exhausting. It's exhausting, and you are doing it subconsciously. Yeah. So you're not even aware of the impact that is that it is having on your output. So in the 90s, they actually did an experiment where they were testing racial stereotypes and how that can affect intellectual ability. And they found that black participants performed worse than white participants when they were told that the test was a diagnostic test. Mm -hmm. But when they weren't, then they performed much better. So just having those stereotypes in your brain makes you think that you can't do it. Mm-hmm. There's also another similar test where people talk about the fact that girls aren't good at maths, which is obviously totally ridiculous. And in this experiment, it was a group of Asian women and they were asked to take a mathematical test. And they found that when they highlighted the fact that they were women, they performed less That's well. Right, yeah. So because they are recognising the fact that they are women, they are not performing as well as they would have done had you eradicated that because thought Because there's this kind of low-level subconscious. Yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a subconscious stereotype that plays in our mind that means that we are now thinking it as well as other people. And, and, and believing it and behaving it. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. Blimey, that's awful, yeah, isn't it? It's ridiculous. So I've worked in an office with predominantly women and I'd come in sweltering and they'd all be sat there in their cardigans. I mean, they yeah. had special cardigans on the back of their chair. It's not funny. It's not funny. <laughs> no, but it is now when I, re- when I realised. I just thought they were being silly. I think... Just ulti- wear more layers. <laughs> ultimately, that is the running theme with this book, isn't it? I mean, there's so much No, it's just such an eye It's such an eye It is. And so let me ask you this then. As a, as a man, what did you... Um, find most shocking about it that you just wouldn't have even thought about? Okay, there were, there are obvious things. So how heavy a door is. Oh, yeah. So the weight that is regarded as acceptable to open a door is based on a man opening a door, not a woman. Yeah. So, so I mean, there are some doors that I struggle to open, you know, that, that you have to put your shoulder behind. But if you're... And you'd think it should be the other way around because women and men tend to be stronger so are more likely to be able to open a door that's made for a woman because then it would be lighter. I don't understand that. And the other other thing was glass staircases. Glass stairs, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, I mean... Yeah. You wouldn't do that if you're a female architect, would you? Or an interior designer, you wouldn't no. put glass stairs in. And, and then the biggest shocker, and I've seen this so many times, I've just not thought about it in, in the same way, that when you're on a tube, 
the amount of women that can't reach the um, the. I mean, it's a daily struggle for me. Not right now because we're not travelling anywhere. <laughs> no, right. but, but yeah. But to generally. hold, but to hold on to the safety, yeah. the safety, but the hangy thing. What do we call the hangy thing? Uh, handrails. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, the dangly things. All the handrails. Yeah. They're not. So they're not dangly anymore, Pete. It's a bar now. That's like from. It's a the bar. Olden yeah. Days. Oh, sorry, the olden days, the dangly things. Maybe on the central line. And so let me ask you this as well. <laughs> Obviously, it's well known that when you go to um, like a concert or something and then you go to the toilet in the oh, interval, yeah. the women's queue is always far longer than the men's. So before you, obviously, you know, now that you've read it, before that, why did you think that the women's queue was so much longer? Have you ever thought about it? In theatres, I mean, I'm particularly noticing theatres just because it's so obvious because, they, you know, you're queuing down. Yeah. I mean, I'm embarrassed to say, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think, I guess probably because they don't have you. You don't have urinals. Yeah. But, but I didn't think about the other stuff that she talks about in the book, where yeah. women tend to tend to have children with them, or they be they'll tend to have the person who the elderly person who they have to help. Yeah. Or they have to check. They have to. They're wearing. They 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 need to change sanitary products. Or um, they're wearing, or, wearing complicated clothes, complicated like clothes. a jumpsuit. <laughs> or, if, or if they're pregnant, they're more likely to to, to need to use a bathroom um, more, more often. Yeah. Um, I hadn't thought about any of that. Yeah. Not just about urinals, but the square footage. This is this is the thing yeah. that just amazes me. The square footage that's given that's that's given in most buildings is exactly the same for men and women. Yeah. And that's seen as fair. It's regulation. Yeah. Now. Yeah. yeah. The scene is fair, and that's just ridiculous. Yeah. Because you should should be completely different i mean but you you'd think that someone would have thought about that because you are putting in urinals in there so yes they've made it equal in terms of floor space but surely someone would look at it and go oh yeah there's five in the women's but there's nine in the men's like you'd think that people would spot that but i'd like to know if female architects would would do it differently I, I, i i think they probably would I, I mean, I just think- well, actually, one of the things that she goes into slightly off track in terms of architecture, but is with um, refugee camps and um, and temporary housing that they talk that they have created because of some natural disaster or pandemics or something like that. There's all of these cases where men have created temporary housing, but haven't included kitchens. Yeah, yeah, like. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Like that's just mental, and or they're giving out um, food supplies in refugee camps, but they're not providing ki- enough kitchen to cook the food, to cook the food or um, fire, not fire, wood and, and yeah, matches yeah, yeah. and all of that kind of stuff. They're not providing the instruments to then be able to cook, which again just make just baffles me. Like why you would not think that? So. One of the things that actually didn't come out of the book but came out of my research around the book, I watched a TED Talk. Her TED Talk. Her TED Talk, yeah, TED Talk which is actually quite old, and um, we'll, we'll put it on the reference notes so that you can, um, you can go and watch it. But one of the things she talks about is her campaign to get a, um, a, a female person added to the Bank of England banknotes. Yeah. So there was only there was already one woman on it, and they were taking her off, and they weren't going to Florence Nightingale. Florence Nightingale, yeah. and they weren't going to put a woman back on. Oh, but it's okay because <laughs> apparently the the, the um, I was listening to this earlier. Apparently, the governor of the Bank of England said that's okay because you've got the Queen. You're covered. 
Oh my god, yeah, yeah. are you I think, serious? I think those were his exact words. <laughs> yeah, we're covered. You got yeah. the queen. But she said that she just thought it was an oversight and she actually assumed that when she highlighted it, someone at the Bank of England would be like, oh, oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, sorry, <laughs> let, let, let's we'll rectify it. that. No, we've got the Queen, but they you're right. didn't. <laughs> like they, and not only that, so she managed to um, win that campaign and uh, and they did add... Um, Jane Austen. Jane Austen. So the £20 note. To the £10 note. Is it? £10. Yeah. But what I found incredible, um, and the this is detailed in, in her first book, but she talks about the abuse that she got when she carried out that campaign. Mm, she was trolled on Twitter. Which is horrendous. It actually makes my skin crawl thinking about some of the things that they said to her. It's like the TED Talk like, she read them out. Yeah, yeah, she read them out and they were, I'm not going to repeat them because they, um, they are quite intense, but she had rape threats, death, death threats. Threat. And one of the running themes of it, of the majority of this was from men, I believe, is that they didn't like the fact that she was talking. So a lot of it was centred around shut your mouth and that kind of um, language. Yeah. language. Yeah. And it seems that there is a, there is still, obviously, a lot of men don't like the fact that women have an opinion and can talk. But it was so shocking to me, and it, she talks about how shocked she was, the amount of abuse that she got from people just by asking to have one woman on a banknote. Like, that just seems a bit crazy. Get some perspective. Exactly. like <laughs> Death threats. Death threats, rape threats. Yeah. Like, these men are being threatened and... There is a correlation between the increase of, of women's rights and the amount of violence against women as well. See, this is interesting. Yeah, and, and really, really shocking. But I don't hang around with people that behave like I mean, no. obviously I don't hang around with people that behave like that. But none of my none of my male friends, none of my friends, would have a problem with a woman speaking. No. So is that just I I mean I I I, I that's why I'm so shocked. I mean, I know it happens because I know there are... Um, but I suppose you wouldn't necessarily experience it until you put indeed, something yeah. out to get that opinion from other people. Because yeah. like you say, we're all in our own little bubble and even on social media, all the algorithms and everything are centred around showing you things that you're interested in and showing you people that are like-minded. So you are not getting that experience of people having that opinion. And... I obviously watched that, her TED talk. I just don't understand why people feel the need to be so aggressive to someone that is essentially is a, is a victim and or someone that is just trying to get a woman added to the banknotes. Just one, mm. one woman. Oh, and the queen. Yeah. Because we're covered with the okay, queen. two, two. <laughs> two women. But I, ju I just think that it is just crazy. And, and actually she talks in the section on politics and she says that as female representation in Parliament has increased, so has hostility towards female politicians and particularly by their male colleagues. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Which is like they're obviously threatened by the increase of women in Parliament taking over a predominantly male space. Yeah. They don't like that. No, of course they don't. No. No. Well, tough. <laughs> but I remember telling you because I remember you telling me this we, we were having this conversation right, right at the beginning when I first started listening to this book on my right and Diane Abbott gets death threats daily that she's 
an MP up near, near, yeah. near North London and I saw her in a garden centre and I remember listening to this podcast and she was talking about just all these death breaths she gets and I was just thinking I just want to go up to you and I, I mean I didn't because I wanted to be embarrassed but I just wanted to say I think you're amazing just being out here <laughs> I just yeah. I wouldn't leave the house no I mean it's terrifying yeah what is incredible the research is particularly positive So in this section in her book, she talks about the fact that when women are included in peace negotiations, they're 20% more likely to last at least two years. And then the countries that where women are kept out of positions of power are less likely to be peaceful. I mean, all you need to do is look at the COVID pandemic and the countries that have have fared the best out of this. New Zealand, Zealand, Finland, um, Taiwan. They're led by women. Yeah. Uh, that's got to show you something You've, like you need to have a balance we're not saying that women need to be like taking over but surely a 50 50 split a balance in most areas of society could only be positive i just don't see how it can be negative mm. but there are people that are obviously threatened by that and and don't want that at all mm which is quite scary. But we need to we need to be talking about it and we need to be fighting it. And I think that's why Tracy King started that campaign to get a copy of the book for everyone in Parliament because she knows that it's so important and it is incredible to have an actual book where it covers so much of this information. And it all comes back to data, which is obviously what she's saying is, without the information, how are you going to make changes? We need to be sex-desegregating data so that we can make informed decisions and there's so much proof of of when they have rolled things out or when they have made decisions without accurate data they don't work or they fail so countries are wasting money by not having this data and not making informed decisions they're making decisions for women and women's lives for every day and they're not basing it on anything. And the majority of people making these decisions are men. So how are they supposed to know? It's like with transport. They don't take into account that most women take public transport, whereas men tend to drive. And they don't account for the kind of in-travel journeys that women make. Women tend to do multiple trips. So they'll take the kids to school yeah. and then they'll go to the supermarket and then they'll go to work. And then they'll go and um, drop something off at a parent or someone that they're caring for. Then they'll go pick up the children and then they'll go home. So they're making all of these multiple trips. But the people that are making most of the decisions for transport are men. Trip chain, that's cool, isn't Trip it? chain, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. that is it. Whereas yeah. most men are going A to B because yeah. they're commuting. <laughs> yeah, they're just going A to B. They're mainly doing it in a car. Yeah. And actually there was a, a an incident in Sweden the where, snow. Yeah, yeah with the yeah. snow where they, someone, so Sweden is actually, I think, one of the only countries where they are going through all of their policies and looking at whether they are equal. So this town in... No, no, in the book, she actually said, she actually says they were just doing a biased survey. Yeah. <laughs> like you do. <laughs> like you do. Yeah. <laughs> of course they do. Yeah. Um, and they looked at, and someone made an offhand comment about how you can't make snow a feminist issue. So obviously someone went and looked at it and actually found that it was having an impact on women's lives because when it snowed, they were clearing the roads first and then the sidewalks. 
But obviously, because they, because they thought, well, you're driving. Most people are driving. driving. Yeah. But they're you're not. Need, you need most fair people, roads. Yeah. Men mostly drive, whereas women will walk or take public transport. Or push a push chair. Or push a push chair, which yeah. is incredibly difficult in, in through, half, through snow. Exactly. So although clearing the, clearing the sidewalks first had a very little impact on driving, it had a huge impact on people that are walking, so mainly women. And they found that there were less injuries. Yeah, in and they actually saved millions of pounds in... In healthcare. Of, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which just goes to show that when you do take into account the data by sex, then you can impact on, yeah. on everyday life. Yeah, it was an audit, not a survey. Wasn't an it? audit, yeah, yeah it was. <laughs> a non-biased audit. Yeah. Would we do one here in this country? Probably not. Probably not. I would never have read this book unless you unless we'd been doing this. I just wouldn't have read it. Just... Which is the per- that's why we're doing this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I <laughs> it's so good. The last thing I would be doing is reading a book. I mean, now I'm really pleased I have because I've read this thinking all the women in my life, you know, my nieces and my godkids and my 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 friend had just had my friends had just had a little girl. I mean, born last week. I'm reading this for her. I want I I yeah. want to know this stuff so that we yeah. can do, we can do something with it. But what's what's your big takeaway? What's, how has this made you better? Well, it's quite scary, really, because like I said, there are so many things that I think about every day that don't, the kind of irritating things that don't quite work for me, like my car, I have to sit really far forward, and like my phone and not being able to use it one-handed. Just being aware that this is not just the fact that I'm small, particularly small for a woman, uh, five foot three, tiny, tiny hands. Um, it's about the fact that this is happening to all women and it's a much bigger issue. And the things like not testing on on women in, in medical trials, I just didn't know that that was happening. So I would say that I'm a feminist and I am aware of of some of the impacts are on women but this book has just blown me away like there's just so much information in it and it actually just does shock me so just having read it and if I can get other people to read it especially other men yeah so I'm really glad that you've read it yeah. now and I've yes one person tick <laughs> on my list I think just knowing that information myself and trying to embody that information within my everyday so for instance at work I'm trying really hard not to say guys as a general term yeah. for everyone. I got that from here as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's I'm... not it's not a big thing. Like it's not going to make the world of difference, but it's just a just small Just explain why. Small balance. This is really really Yeah, so she goes into it in in more detail in the book and she talks about language as a whole and how that impacts your your go-to in your mind. So guys and the terms dudes and things like that that is used as a general term for everyone. Yeah. But it is male specific. And it's actually when they did tests on it, they found that people, when you say guys and things like that, you, think man. you, you do think man. And she, it's like using the term she, man. She, she said that she yeah. does. Yeah. 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 So I'm, I'm trying to make small changes within myself that will hopefully impact the, the world in some way. And if I, And like I said, if I can get other people to read this book, I think that's, that's like the first hurdle. And hopefully by by having written this book, it will spill out into other areas within the world and people will start taking this into consideration and making changes. 
So one of the things that she talks about on the New Scientist podcast is the fact that when they started, when COVID hit, they weren't sex desegregating the data. And when someone, this woman emailed her local MP and said, can you please try and get them to start doing this? He was like, well, I haven't got time to have these conversations with you. I'm dealing with a pandemic. (laughs) But it's just so important that that becomes the norm so that we do have that data and we do have that information. And I think the first hurdle is this book. The more people that read this, the more understanding you will have just in general. And even if you don't absorb every piece of information in the book, there's there's a lot. If you can just take away a handful of small things, that will have an impact on the wider but world. This is the typical, this book is so full of, I mean, the last third of it is, third of it? Yeah, six, of it. 69 pages it is. Yeah, it's just end notes mm. and research. So knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. So just understand, like knowing this information, reading this book will give you an insight into what is happening in the wider world. And her research is diverse. It goes like it's from every country within within this world. So it's not like it's just the UK. I mean, we could literally talk about this book and the contents of this book for hours. And but it is like I urge everyone listening to go and read it because it is incredible or listen to it like if you want to listen to it as an yeah. audio book well you're running for nine hours <laughs> <laughs> yes. yeah. I mean it's a lot it's a lot of information yeah. and I have uh, started listening to the audio book as well um just so that I can absorb some more of it and it is quite nice listening to her read it because she's so passionate about it yeah I said furious earlier but she's passionate but yeah she's yeah. cross she's angry it riles you up yeah it does I mean it does and actually she starts the book I'm going to read it to you because I feel like we should just all embody this she says for the women who persist keep on being bloody difficult oh, yeah yeah I mean it's frustrating that you have to be seen as being difficult just to get equal rights but you know we do and I love being difficult, so I'm going to embody <laughs> that and, and take it into my life <laughs> even more. So thank you so much for making me read this book, because I wouldn't You're have read welcome. It. <laughs> it's, I, just, I just found it incredible and mind-blowing. Yeah, I did too. And like I said, I thought I knew a lot about being a woman, being a woman myself. But this just shows me the amount of um, information that I didn't know. And it, it is an incredible read. And I urge everyone to to get a copy of it um and thank you so much for listening we've really enjoyed it this has been our first ever be better library podcast yeah. it's very exciting it is um I feel so like it's just 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 you and i listening now i don't know <laughs> 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 which is fine doing so my mum's gonna have a listen it's, Maybe it's gonna be absolutely all. fine auntie soon might too we urge you if you are going to buy this book to try and buy from a local bookshop which isn't open at the moment but you what you can do to get it from your local bookshop is go to bookshop.org um, which is a brilliant website an amazing initiative that was set up last year during during the pandemic actually over in New York and has raised thousands of pounds for local bookshops so it's actually the, the books are actually sourced from locally so um Obviously, bookshops have been quite impacted and we want to try and promote buying any books. And you can find that really easily. Yeah. That'll be on our Instagram. Through them. Yes, it'll all be on. Yeah, Everybody all for our Instagram um, and, our, and our LinkedIn as well. So the uh, alternative index that we've that we've talked about. The Google Doc. The Google Doc. That's all available on there as well. So if you want to have a watch of any of the, the videos, the TED Talk, or have a listen to the podcast, uh, they're all listed on there. And um, 
all yeah, the books all, and articles. Exactly. So even if you don't read the book, watch the video, listen to the podcast, everything. But you should read the book. Small steps, but you read should, yeah, you should read the book. Buy the book. Buy the book. Read the book. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Evie. Ah, thanks, Peter. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Bye.